Welcome to JR Loud. My name's Judy Herman, and it's very exciting for me today to be talking to Ashley Blaker, fantastic comic writer, normally known for writing a Jewish sort of shtick. This is something else altogether, which I am really loving, and which I know you will all love too. So thank you, Ashley, and welcome to JR Art Loud. Hello, thank you for having me. Nice to see you, Judy. <laughs> yes, we can see each other. Thanks to Zoom, we can yep. indeed. Ashley, I I couldn't quite work out whether you've invented a new form of comedy. It's just such a wonderful hybrid. I love the way you've done it in this sort of wonderful hybrid so way. You know, there's your voice, obviously you're our guide through it. And then, yeah. you know, the way the other voices come in and you you sort of puncture them and they puncture you quite a bit too. The idea was that, that I'm recording the show in my house. That's the idea of the show. I started writing it and, uh, you know, I'd worked as a producer for years, but you need outside outside eyes and ears often. And my producer says to me once, where is this happening? Like, I want to know where is this actually happening? Because otherwise it doesn't really make sense if, like, this person's interrupting you, or whatever. And mm. that's the idea, that I'm in the house, I'm recording the show, I'm speaking to you from my house, and the children are here, and people, inter- they interrupt me, but we we kind of whip away to flashbacks and little asides to past uh, uh, things, dramatizations of events. So, yeah, it kind of goes all over the place. Yes, yeah, so I, I like whip away because there's a noise you use, isn't there? Which yes, I... I, I use the word whip because it sounds like a whip, it, yeah. It really it does. Of, uh, <laughs> That's the best description of it, the kind of whip sound that, uh, yes, it tells you we're moving away. Yeah, I'm really glad you said that because I was trying to think of a way to describe it, but that's absolutely perfect. You know, on the press release, it says that it's documentary and observational. I would sort of add sitcom to that, although it's real, but sort of. Yeah, as you say, it's a bit of a hybrid. The thing you really want to do uh, always, I think, is to not be like anything else. And then someone says to you, well, what's it like? And you go, what shows it like? And you go, well, I don't know. It's like, I don't want to go, well, it's like, he'll be enthusiastic or it's like this show. It's like that show. No, I want people to say, no, it's like Ashley Baker's show. It so is. It's sort of brutally honest and self-deprecating, but you send up absolutely everybody. I'm not quite sure how they all feel about it. I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, your rabbi, your parents, um, the adoption service. Yeah. Have any of them heard of well, trailer? Well, I haven't heard it yet. I can't <laughs> hear it. It's all true. I mean, you know, some exaggeration maybe, but guys, it really is. That episode is, and the whole series, is so based on truth. And, and in fact, that episode... It really is like a true story. I'm telling the story of the adoption of our daughter. It was a long time ago. It was like 10 years ago. And so I had to, it was a quite cathartic experience. I went through my old emails from that time, read all the emails from, it was Norwood, where the, uh, I didn't mention Norwood, I mentioned, I think I probably mentioned the London Borough of Hackney. But it was Norwood and the London Borough of Hackney. Norwood, in fact, actually, the, the charity Norwood still exists, obviously, mm. very mature charity. But they don't have an adoption services anymore. The people who ran that now are part of something called Quorum. But anyway, at the time, it was Norwood and, and the London Borough of Hackney. And yes, yeah, so I had all these emails from social workers and from Norwood and from Hackney and different things. And so I had to really kind of reread these to, to prod my memory and, and rediscover these old anecdotes that I kind of buried, but they came back. Um, so those all those things were true about kind of weird meetings with social workers. So a social worker who would ring up and say weird questions like, 
how many birthday parties did you go to when you were in primary school? Which which is so strange, such strange questions which they genuinely ask. Yeah, that's so weird. Um, I bet she didn't remember how many she'd been to. I know, that was the same thing. Exactly, exactly. Uh, Look, so what they do is, and we we were a very unusual case because we had, when we adopted our daughter, we had four boys already. But normally, the vast majority of uh, parents that they uh, are assessing, people they're assessing, uh, don't have children. And so the idea is is that you are trying to assess what kind of parents you will be. Uh, that That's the whole point. Uh, so it's a weird thing, because it's a weirdly high bar, because, of course, if you have the physical capability, subject having the physical capability, you know, two teenagers can... can get themselves pregnant today. You know, anyone can become a parent, no matter how unsuitable. Exactly. Hence, we have a world of, you know, some famously unsuitable parents uh, and some less famously. But you can have, you know, and that's how tragedies happen, because anyone can have a child. Uh, But when it comes to adoption, suddenly they they really are uh, making you jump through those hoops to Mm. ensure that you're not, you know, a, a tragedy waiting to happen. Yes, and I can see why they do it, that, but nonetheless. That's right. But there's some of the questions they ask, though, are mm. so strange. Like, yeah, we're, they're trying to find out how popular you were and are you going to be able to uh, deal with this? Either. Mm. And then also, once you then add on all the kind of political correct side to it mm. as well, like the whole kind of how many black friends do you have, how mm. many gay friends mm-hmm. do you have, how many, because it, it's so important to find this kind of round, because what if your child was gay? We need to make sure you're kind of someone who's capable of dealing with that and etc etc and say things like have you ever read a book or seen a film about adoption and i'm, I'm just you know i'm such a cynic and i'm always yeah a bit like, <laughs> as you can tell already and i just thought i oh uh the omen <laughs> it was so funny yeah, that. Adoption. he's the uh they adopt a child at the start. He's the son of the devil. That's the whole story of the story. Yeah, no, that's not that's not really helpful. Yeah, so that's the trouble when you add like someone who's a cynic like me, but to this process, and you've got to go through it. It's it's yeah, it's it's an odd experience. So yes, it was fun to relive some of these things. One of the most touching moments in it, and I don't think anyone should just, from what we're talking about, think oh yes, it's just all funny and brutally funny and cynical. It's not. There's this rather beautiful moment, this sort of pivotal moment where um, you're looking through the local paper and you should really be looking for all sorts of things to do with childcare and you spot this ad for Sora. Yes. Is there someone out there who would like to adopt Sora who is this child with Down syndrome and all the rest of it? And yeah. Somehow you say you and your wife both seem to have been looking through it and say, I think we should do it. Now, did that really happen? Because yeah. it's beautiful. Yeah, it, it, it really did happen like that. And and people all, you know, people so many times have asked, you know, well, why? And I, I kind of slightly touched it in the show, but not, not a great length because I can't, there's no great answer. I mean, you know, sometimes people do crazy things and, or, you know, cr- commit crimes or I don't know. And, and then people will say, well, why did you do it? And they'll say, well, I don't know. And I kind of, moment of madness came over me and i think that was it it was this kind of moment of madness that came over both of us. and the other thing is to, to paraphrase edmund hillary because she was there i mean it, it's not like we were we weren't looking to adopt we've never been you know we thank god we can have our own children uh and so we you know we already had four boys and we yeah, it wasn't like we were looking ever to think about adopting, but she was there. Was, and, and look, i got to be honest, it, it's clearly 
a niche interest because I know they're advertising worldwide, and I, I think, as far as I understand, they they got a little bit down the line with a family in Canada, and, but they were advertising in Israel and, and America and what have you. So you know, it's, it's a lot of people were uh, you know could have seen this and weren't interested. So uh, I don't know. As I say, a moment of madness, but um, a long time ago now. Mm. It's um, a lot of water under the bridge. Yeah, two things to do with the children. One is, so we've got, as far as I can make out, so there's four boys, then there's Sorrow. Four boys and two girls, yeah. Yeah, and Sorrow's the first girl, and then there's another girl. Is that right? That's yes. correct, yeah. Well, Sorrow's the, 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 the fourth oldest, but we'd already had four boys. So she sits, in age, she sits between the third and fourth boy. Mm. And, uh, and and then, so then we had the four boys, and Sorrow came, and then we had another girl after. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's supposed to be... Yeah, and that is Bina, is that right? Bina, that's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so, which is, ama it's, it's all amazing, isn't it, yeah. So, and then the other thing about the children is you hear various of the children during it. Yes, Some yes. of whom I'm guessing are budding comics. There's at least they, one. No, I had to pay them, and I, I gave them, well, I had to pay them, they did quite well at me. Uh, I don't no, believe I you, really. God, I had a pain. I had a pain just to do the photos, let alone being <laughs> the show. And I, and I mean, Gemma. So yeah. So to, so for those that haven't heard, the show features uh, my real children. Doesn't feature my real wife actually, which was the original idea. And then as I was writing the show, her role became bigger and bigger, mm. and, and I felt needed, and and she definitely felt, would have agreed. That it needed someone with some a little bit more comedy experience to deliver those lines, but how I wanted them. But the children, they're great in it. They really are great in it. Hopefully, part of that is because I wrote things that they've really said, and I have to try and get a few goes to get it right. Sometimes again, no, just say it how you say it. That's exactly you know they 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 say things exactly as yeah as as they would have said them. Have they heard? But it's it? great today. I think it's they've heard bits of it, and and um, you know they're of that age. Some of them that they're a bit, you know, got embarrassed like I don't you know. <laughs> uh, uh, but I love that. I love hearing them. I love the fact that it's the real children, and not not actors. I think it, it changes it so much. And uh, yeah, I, I really love that aspect. And they, you know, they're in all of them. You've only heard one episode, but they're in all of them, and they play quite big roles, and, and some more than others in different episodes. Mm. Uh, particularly the fourth episode about lockdown, but uh, actually all of them. I mean, they're, they're in all of them. They're probably actually in it the least in in number two, probably an extent, because that one's so much about Sora and the adoption. But um, yeah, it, it was it was fun to to record with them. Well, it sounds like it too. But as I said, they were clearly having fun. You know, I think it must be your oldest boy whose voice is breaking now. He's definitely a, a cynical comic in the making. I'm sure of it. Uh, uh, no, I think that's my second oh, son, right, okay. who, who, who's got some funny lines in that episode. Yes, but they're all good in it. They, they really mm. are. And even Sarah, Sarah's good in it. She actually, to be honest with you, Sarah was the easiest because I just I wrote things that I knew she could do. So mm. um, iPad not working, and she would just stand in front of the microphone and go, iPad not working, and she would <laughs> she would just deliver oh. the lines perfectly. She did mm. one take, one take. Everyone yeah. else needed loads of goes and they're laughing, but mm. she's just one take, perfect. Mm. Yeah, well, I, I presume the second that was Ophie then that we're talking about, whose voice. Yeah, that is. I think yeah. so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
well, they all sound. I'm I'm sure they're a handful. I know they're a handful, but I, they, yeah, are. they are. Yeah, they are. But yeah, they they did that at least. Yeah, it, yeah, it'd be rubbish. Cost if they, me, but they did. That. Yeah, it'd be rubbish if they weren't a handful. It'd be so boring, wouldn't it? But you seem to have. There's a real love affair. There's a real love that comes through that seems to be build fast or is instant. There's something about sorrow that you you talk about love a lot, don't you? Which I find yes, nice. yeah. Well, because people would ask, you know, do can you love an adopted child the same way, particularly when. For one thing, if you couldn't have children or didn't have children, whatever, and you adopted a child, and and you didn't have your own biological children as well, and 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 I know obviously people now also, and I suppose you have different like people, lots of blended families out there now where people have, you know, you maybe have their own child, but then their partner's child from a previous relationship and stuff like that. So it's a bit like that, I suppose. But this is a, it's not even like your partner's child. This is just someone, someone else's child, mm. and it, it is. People have asked that question. Can you love her the same way? And then I, I joke, I say in the show, you know, the, the honest answer is no, I love her a lot more. And uh, <laughs> yeah. but then I kind of explore that. And, and, and actually, it's interesting because they, in a way, it is a kind of, I don't think I talk about, maybe I can't remember if I actually say the, the, use the word purity, but it is like the idea, it's a quite a pure love in a way because there's something quite narcissistic about having children and loving your children. You know, you love them because they, they're kind of, it, there is a bit of narcissism involved because they're you. They're like an extension of you. They might even look like you. They're preserving you mm. in the world. Mm -hmm. And that's why people love their children. There is, there is you know, it, it's not an unconditional love. It, well, it's unconditional maybe, but it, it's still, mm. there's a narcissistic element to it. And then obviously your spouse, partner, whatever you, I mean, that's definitely not unconditional. You kind of do stuff for each other. You have a kind of. Uh, kind of unwritten contract of, of the way your relationships work. But with Sarah, there's none of that. She's not biologically related to me. She doesn't look like me. She's not blood relation. She doesn't really do much in return. She's not really capable. She's never going to look after me in my old age. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she, I mean, she does give back and she gives her back with a, a smile and a hug and a, and, a, and a kiss and a cuddle and what have you. But still, it's not, it's not quite, quite the same. And so it's a very pure form of love, I think, there, um, when you adopt a child like that. Yeah, and presumably, you know, it's very, what you see is what you get in a way, and that she, I don't think artists would be something she would go for, because I suppose she can't. So it's all very, I mean, the relationship is exactly. so honest. Exactly, exactly. And I, you know, I, I talk about this in, in the show, you know, episode three, I'm talking, the episode three is about raising children with special needs. And, and I say that, like, you have to work so hard as a comedian to entertain an audience. <laughs> Sarah, I can just kind of squeeze her hand and she'll laugh. And then oh. I, I do it in, I, I play it on, uh, on, on the show. And who couldn't love that? Because mm. it's, it's like the most generous audience. I have to do so little work to get a, a laugh and a reaction out oh. of it. So, it's great. Um, you know, she's a, a ray of sunshine, a blessing, uh, uh, you know, and all the cliches. Yeah, yeah. Well, they don't come over as cliches in this case, I have to say. Um, now, you, we talk here about, the, again, I'm looking at your the, the press release. It talks about moving mm. beyond your religion, but it's wonderfully included, um, sometimes straight up and down, but sometimes you are sent, you set up yourself. As I say, you send up the rabbi, I'm guessing. Uh, yeah. Um, so I want to... I do want to talk about your parents, and I think probably that's fair enough. Possibly should talk about them first. How do they feel about all? I mean, you, whoever's playing your mum does go slightly yes. for the Jewish um, shtick, doesn't she? So. I, well, <laughs> I, it's hard when you don't. The trouble is with radio. I mean, if you do stuff on TV where you have more money, what you would do is is you would hire 
you you hire someone to play every role, mm. you know, and then you'd get the right person to play each role. Uh, we've done that as much as possible. And I, I mean, this this show has got all my children plus three other cast members. But yes, I, I couldn't quite stretch to having someone just to play my mother. So it's also the same person who plays my wife. And, and so it's hard, you have to kind of like, it's hard for someone to age up a little bit. Mm. But uh, yes, but uh, it's got a few lines. Look, again, it's, you know, self-deprecating. Also. Mm. I mean, true story about how I talk about in this episode, how we, Gemma and I, really were struggling with that, how to tell my parents. We mm. didn't tell them until quite late on in this process that we were adopting a child, and we thought, oh, God, they're going to think we we're crazy. And then we we emailed them. Which is like, I think my parents were a bit not very happy about. But the truth is, I don't know, I defend myself going, you know what, I, you have to, you'd have to ask yourself why we felt that we had to do that. You know, you'd like, then, rather than criticise too much, to think, why why did you feel, you, you know, and I actually think sometimes, you know, some things actually are better written down. And actually mm. we'd go, oh, right, okay, this is... And, and if you feel someone's going to um, just interrupt and just have kind of not really listen and not really focus, you have to write it down and go, look, here's a point-by-point point explanation and some of the mm. questions that I know you're going to... I remember we sent this long email, so went, these are the questions we know you're going to oh. ask or things you're going to worry about, and so I want to answer them immediately. Oh, I suppose they might be quite touched by that, actually. I mean, in first instance, I don't think, what? I don't think what? You opened this email, what? But, they, but, uh, I can, but you know, mm. th- there was a logic there, wasn't there? Yeah. So do you want yeah. to name who plays whom? Because I've got, is it Shelley Blonde? Yeah, so yeah. Shelley, Shelley Blonde mm. is a, a, a very good actress, also a friend of mine, plays Gemma. She actually knows Gemma, so it was, mm. it was, it was great. But then she just played my mum as well. Oh, right. uh, mm. and, and she played a few other roles. And then, and mm. then Kieran Hodgson and Rosie Holt, who two very good comic actors, just play lots of different little mm. parts. Well, Julie Jacobs uh, 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 is, uh, she sounds Jewish, but uh, she's not. <laughs> so she plays a social worker in uh, in the episode you've heard. She plays a few other roles as well that everyone else doubles up a little bit. Uh, and then I play some parts as well, like my rabbi and stuff. And uh, Oh, you were the rabbi. I'm so stupid. I I'm the rabbi. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm the rabbi. Yeah. And I'm also, I'm also a neighbour who... Oh, the neighbour uh, who wants to park on the A the neighbour who just I, li- <laughs> I like doing an impression of anyway. Oh, dear. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> so basically, one thing I really like about the show, and I, I, I like doing, and I would love to do more, is that this, this show, is, as you say, it's not... It, it's not. It's not about you know. I've done shows that are about Judaism, either for Jews or, or for non-Jews. This show isn't that. It's just, but I like the fact that you kind of just it just happens organically. It's just mm. there. It doesn't even need to be addressed. I mean, a few years ago, I was on a TV show and I was quite as telling quite a scatological um, toilet humour anecdote. And somebody very very orthodox, somebody who wouldn't have a TV, but they probably just caught it online came up to me in synagogue and said he, he absolutely, he, he loved this oh, so much. wonderful. And I said, really? I'm really surprised. I would have thought that's not up your street at all. And he said, oh, no, I didn't like the story at all. He said, what I liked was, he said, though, he said what I loved about it, though, he said, I, you never see Jews on TV not talking about Judaism. When oh. do you, you, do you know what I mean? You only ever see, you will never see, like a, certainly someone who's visibly Jewish, like an Orthodox Jew, mm. have you, on, if they're on TV, they're either talking they're doing one of those documentaries telling you about orthodox judaism or they're talking about anti-semitism they're not they're never there just talking about you know football or or, or sport or politics or something completely different so um it, what i like is the fact that here it's just it just exists it mm. just 
it just we don't have to go oh, this is the jewish episode i'm going to explain something judaism here jewish like so in this episode uh i i consult with my rabbi because mm. that's what you would do you know but he, he did i mean this is i mean it's kind of I, I, I turn it into to laughs. I mean, the, the reality was almost weirder, <laughs> but just wouldn't translate to a to 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 a kind of even a Jewish most Jews. Or he like he we went to see the rabbi and said, you know, this is a situation. We've got these four boys. We, we see this girl. Blah, 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 we think we can do it. What do you think? And and he sat there and he went, "Give me twenty four hours. <laughs> Call me in twenty four hours." And and I said something like, "What does he do with those twenty four hours?" <laughs> <laughs> and 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 somebody said that he sometimes just does this thing like with the chumash, with like the the, the really? you know the chumash, that the, the, the and they were like randomly something. <laughs> I go, no, you can't tell but, me it's like that, really. But, like, but there are these kind of mystical things, right, so ways that um, you're saying you would actually Hasidic you're actually would take kind of like yes, would effectively try to divine. From the Some, Torah, uh, who's looking in the, the weekly the book that's in the exactly, exactly. synagogue. Would, no, would like flip through randomly yeah. and see what word it lands <laughs> on. Like just kind of weird, weird kind of like mystical ways to try and mm. tap into some kind of mystical, some kind of divine, divine providence or whatever you want to call it. So anyway, whatever. So in this case, we I've got this rabbit, rabbinic character who comes up a few times in the series, but who just kind of speaks in kind of parables. I'm mm. not really that. He- mm. Yeah, Sorry. they aren't really that helpful, but. Yeah, I mean, but yes, yeah, so um, I, I like that. And so in episode three, which is about our children, about raising children with special needs, towards the end of the episode, it, it talks about my eldest son's bar mitzvah. But, it, it, you know, it could just as easily have been, I don't know, I mean, a, uh, some, a, being in a school play or mm-hmm. some other kind of lifetime life achievement or something that yeah. happens in your life. But it, in our case, it just happens to be a bar mitzvah. And we don't need to dwell on it and kind of go, Oh, but we're Jewish. We're, you know, in the ho- episode four, which is about homeschooling, I mention uh, there's a, a very brief mention of the fact they go to Jewish schools, and mm. so this is a implication of that. But uh, it's just it just exists, and I really like that. I think it's there's not enough of that really. As I say, I think my my friend who said that I think raised a really good point, which I'd never thought of, which is that you don't you don't see enough of that. Mm. You know, you don't see enough of that in a way that in in a kind of ways that like I suppose. When like Lenny Henry was first on TV, he'd have been speaking about being black. Mm-hmm. But now you, you you see black families on TV all the time. And they're not talking about being black in the mm-hmm. same way. I, I I just like that it should it should just be like that. Yeah, it's a very good analogy actually. Yeah, I was going to say I love the parables because they are it's a runner, isn't it? It's a running joke, and I don't know. If you say it probably comes yes, up again, yes. and they're absolutely wonderful. I mean, there's one not about... the parables, but the character does. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, that's what I'm saying. The, the character of the rabbi yeah, will yeah, yeah. just start off, yeah. ah, you see, there was a carpenter, yeah. and, and you and you don't yeah. get more than about one sentence, and it is in that sort of yeah. voice. So, and I, I don't, has, he hasn't heard it, the, 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 your actual no, runner, no, not no. yet. No, but I, I wouldn't mind. I mean, look, it's, <laughs> oh, no, he will there. hear it, there, probably. There'll be, uh, you know, it's all... Never put something out there you don't want people to hear. No, completely, I agree. And the other thing, what was it, something terribly sweet you say about... The um your the congregation that you say yes yes I'm you say yes I'm very c- close to a lot of people in yes, my congregation well, and then you say yes. in brackets I mean I know know some of them quite well and I said you know I know them and I enjoy sending them up or something like that right right so this is this is about so so the, again this is all true as part of the process of the adoption they uh they gave us this kind of 
looks like a bit like a Venn diagram, something this kind of they call ah. it an eco map. But it was like this this diagram. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing. Was, I love it. Us, yeah, so it was it was it was us in the middle in a circle, mm. mm-hmm. and then around it were these cir- more circles, and then outside of them were like more circles. Ah. And the idea was that you had to draw on this all the people that were going to support you because they, they want to know that you've got a support network, particularly in our case, we had about four boys already. You're taking on this child with Down syndrome. She's going to have a lot of appointments. Sarah's got so many appointments and different medical things. I mean, you know, it's gastro and, and yeah. ENT and her hearing and the fight and all the, anyway, all the different things. And then uh, another time she wasn't walking. So it's like her, her physio, all those different kind of appointments. Are you going to have enough people to support you? And, and you know, my wife and I, we're not, yeah, I wouldn't say we're unpopular people. We, we kind of keep ourselves for ourselves. Yeah. We don't have like big social group, what have you. And, and, and so we kind of like having to go, oh, God, we don't want to make this up. And so, yeah, so I say in the show, it's like saying, oh, yeah, we know we'll be supported by our community. We're very close mm-hmm. to, as, and as I say, it's, it's what, what that means is in reality is I'm, I, I know lots of people <laughs> in the show who I use from comic material. But um, there's some truth in that. Yep. It's ever the case. But yes, that's all true, all those kind of... Uh, so again, I found that and I'd forgotten about it. So I went through all my old emails. I have a, like a folder in my emails called Adoption. And there was the attachment of the, the thing they sent me, the, that document. And so it brought it all back. And then I saw the one that I sent back to them with it mm. filled in. And it was all really helpful. I had to do quite a bit of kind of remembering and researching into my for the past 10 years to write that episode actually. well as I say you know, it, it wasn't for nothing that you did it it's very fruitful I mean, thank you, it thank really you. really worked can we just go back to your parents so do they, they know about yeah. this upcoming obviously I mean they're probably terribly yes I fr- played them that episode yeah, oh yeah. good I'm just checking I'm sorry they must, and, go on, they, what are you gonna say they must be asking? terribly proud of you because you know that's a really decent slot just before yeah. Shabbat slot on a Friday morning, four weeks yeah, in a row. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> of course, they're always proud. Look, Jewish parents, and mm. um, you know, and I, they, they always get a little bit funny when I mention them and, and go, oh, "What like?" And I, I, I you know, I, I be a little, it's a little bit critical of my parents actually. That it's the only episode in which I mention them actually, because I talk about this thing about how people would say, "No one asked you to adopt." Mm-hmm. I no love one that. Asked you to because, it, but it is one of the, because it is one of the absolute. Uh, I mean, my parents got that bit personal, but they, but it is totally true, and it's one of these things that it is like I, I say in the show that it's a, a, one of the big taboos of adoption that people will say, "Well, no one asked you to do it," and it, I was surprised at how little, you know, how there were like all those services like Camp Simcha. You know, the Jewish community is is very good with services for people mm. with children with different kinds of needs, whatever you say, particularly like Camp Simcha, which is for like uh, terminally ill and life-threatening illnesses, and whatever that, and then you have that high cancer, and different things. But you know what? There's people were remarkably unsympathetic here, and I think there is an element of just like, well, no one asked you to do it. You, you, you did it. And go, yeah, but you wouldn't say that of anyone else. Like, if you can't have children, let's say you have fertility issues, and then you have IVF, and then you struggle for years, and then uh, amazingly, after IVF, you finally have a child, and then that child turns out to be a nightmare. Mm. You wouldn't no one would turn around to that person and go, well, you shouldn't have had IVF, should you? No one asked you to do it. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's like, but it's like you kind of like sign a form and go, well, you you, you did this, so you now can't complain about it. Yeah. It's you, really weird. You do use that beautifully. You've got, 
you, as I say, you're really good at the rule of three, which works, and you've got this marvellous thing about um, you've got the emergency services responding to a call yeah. about a, a jogger who's collapsed with a heart attack, and the emergency services come back with, well, no one asked him to exercise. Exactly, you don't call the AA on the motorway that broken down when no one asked you to buy a Renault. It's a terrible <laughs> car, you should have got to it. They don't do that. You, but it's some reason people were... Yeah, so, I, I don't know, it's odd, odd, odd thing, odd little thing that I noticed. Um, and also I talk about the the fact that, and again, it's all true that like our children would start... Yeah, most children don't aren't aware of adoption. It's not really that into mm. their uh, into their consciousness. So, like they wouldn't even be aware of such a, a concept that like a child could be raised by someone who's not their parents. But our children like aware of this, so they would say things like a child, like, I don't know, Srilly would be annoying Simi and he would just go, have him adopted. He's annoying me. Have him adopted. And uh, so, so we kind of introduce, that's another something I mentioned in that episode. Oh yeah, yeah. Well obviously there's joshing between various children, isn't there? There always would be, wouldn't mm. there? So uh, and, uh, and, uh, and uh, there's just so much there. I mean, I don't want to sort of ruin the whole episode of people listening by going on about it. But you've, there's a, there's always a children's book about adoption, and there's this marvelous book about the squirrel. Yes, uh, that, mm. yes. Again, I, I, I and, and funny enough, actually, one of the boys I talked to about this, and they reminded me about it. And yes, yeah, so there was this book called Nutmeg Gets Adopted uh, as part of a series true book. Uh, um, I mean, true, true. That's the book they use. They said to us, we should. You should read this book with your children to explain how um, this is what's happening, and that this, it's about this squirrel that gets adopted by, by family badgers. badgers. Yeah. Mm. And uh, there's an owl called Wise Owl the Judge or something. <laughs> Wise, and it's a sweet book actually, but mm. it doesn't really make any sense. Not very helpful, <laughs> but uh, yeah. You're, as I say, you're just so good at finding the funny, I think we call that, don't we? But it's touching at the same time a lot, which I think is what's Thank important you. here. Um, you're going to do a stand-up tour, but not till next yes, year, yeah. which is based year, yeah. on it. So, well, how? Well, you... based on it, uh, I mean, based on, I mean, with the same name, and obviously it would be different mm. material. But what happened was uh, basically the, this show. I had the intention to do this show called Six Point Five Children at Edinburgh in uh, 2020. Mm. Yeah, that last year, I actually didn't get to write a single word of it. I just, we had the photos done the photos that, that you you see uh, and that, that i'm using everywhere were originally were taken for that poster. Oh. that's what it would have been for and then the show i never started writing it because the pandemic came and i could just see very quickly there's no way it was going to happen they're canceling the olympics they're canceling this mm. they're canceling that this isn't going to happen um and uh, and then but then in the meantime the bbc commissioned four part series so in, in a way, it was a great thing because it meant rather than writing, if you wrote like a, you had a stand-up show and you try and adapt like a one-hour stand-up show into like two hours of a of a totally different format, I think it would have been a bit different. It was great to be able to write it with a blank piece of paper. Mm. Um, but then, yeah, I would actually like to do a stand-up show of that name and of that subject. And what I like about the show is that it's both interesting and unusual things that just happened to me, but also stuff that you can relate to. So the episode about adoption is 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 like the former, because obviously very few people adopt a child, certainly not when they've already got children. So it, it's it's not that, my story there is not super relatable. It's not that you're going to listen to that and go, God, that's just like when we adopted a child. Um, but then episode three, which is about raising children with special needs, 
is so, I, I think, relatable to so many people because so many people now seem to have children with, if not like really big things like Down syndrome, they've got children with different learning difficulties, with need extra help, with dyslexia and dyspraxia and ADHD and all mm-hmm. those kind of things that weren't diagnosed years ago, but now people kind of know about. And so, so that episode is actually a, is really written in that way. It's not telling a story. It's about here are the five things that we parents want everyone else to know about our children, about our lives. Uh, and, and so that's kind of really relatable. And so, yeah, I really wanted to do a show that could it'd be great for then the audience to be able to come and sh- share an evening of laughing together. Yeah, and I'm and I'm sure that's the way it will be. So when when so you're talking about that that the live show is that you're actually yes, going to be genuine. Exactly, when mm. to do a live show, it'd be great. It'd be great for the people who've enjoyed. Look, and, it, and now it's come the other way. Things have flipped around, so I'm doing the the the, the BBC show mm. first. It, look, it's great because it finds an audience, and then people who go, yes, I, I I like that, and I'm interested, will then come and you know would come and enjoy, and they know what they're getting. So. Um, the com- you know, they know the kind of what I'll be roughly kind of talking about, and, and it, they're very different. They're different genres. I mean, stand up, mm. and, and even though this is predominantly stand up, it's still a different thing. And you can do different things on stage that you can do on radio, or you can do on TV, and, and they're, they're all different. Or in a book, for example. Mm. But you wouldn't. Would you be using any recordings in that, or is that genuinely just you standing there? Well, God, I haven't. I mean, I haven't even got thought yet. Mm. yet. Mm. Uh, a lot depends. You know, it I depends on what I'm doing the rest of the year and what, what I'll be writing. And it may be that other things I'm writing then help feed into that. Uh, but uh, like check the series or something. Or, you know, and, and but it's all. Yeah, I'd prob- probably no recordings. Maybe a slideshow. So I'd, I'd be like using. Uh, um, I, I probably would avoid as much material as possible from this series mm. as, as, I, as I could. But, for example, you talk about um, that book, Nutmeg Gets mm. Adopted. If you were doing that in a live show, and I'd have like a massive PowerPoint screen, we'd be able to look at the book, mm-hmm. and we'd be able to read the book, and, and show the slides, and show the illustrations. Mm. And, 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 and so that's something you can do. That's a good example of something you can do in that format that you can't do on radio. Um, you know, Or, for example, we're talking about the adoption and I'm talking about that advert that, I, mm. that you're saying about the advert, I can show you the mm. actual advert. You know, you can actually then see it, and we can actually look what it looks like. And and, and I think all those things add, uh, you know, obviously a, a, an extra dimension. Yes, it's, a di- it's, a di- it's different. I can understand that. I mean, people, some people might assume that this show is non-audience due to the pandemic, and that actually isn't the case. I mean, they do mm. do virtual audiences. Mm-hmm. The reason I, I chose to do that, I, I thought that you, you get an intimacy that way. And, and as I said at the start, we, we were saying that it's set in our house. If it, you have an audience, it, mm. it ruins that conceit a little bit. And, and I felt that, you know, it, it, I didn't want my children to have to perform in front of an audience. I guess it, it ruins the intimacy. It's much better uh, to, to not have an audience. But if I'm going to... Um, big up the show which i suppose i'm here to do <laughs> one of the things that i'm most proud of is that even though it's non-audience the the meter of it and, and the number of laughs that i think it offers um i i think are akin to an audience show it, it doesn't sometimes a, a non-audience show will be a lot lighter on on jokes a lot lighter on material because you don't have that pressure of making people laugh, but I, I, I hope that it's 
it's still got the same kind of relentless meter of an audience show. Oh, it certainly has. I mean, as an audience of one listening to it, or two actually, because my husband was listening to it too. I, it is that yeah. the it's got a rhythm, and it is because you are. Yeah. It's that thing, like exactly something. a rhythm of an audience show. Yeah. Mm. So that rhythm, even if you as a as a as a exactly as someone who doesn't work in comedy, whatever, you might not kind of recognise, but exactly you exactly what I'm it is. So exactly that's it. It's the rhythm of an audience show. It's a rhythm of stand up, which is that thing rhythm of going. I'm going to talking, 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 and I'm going to give you a laugh. Now there's an opportunity to laugh. Now there's a, like a, a, a tag on top of that, and now we're going to start again. You know, and it's that kind of thing, that rhythm that you get. And sometimes with non-audience shows, you, you don't get that. Oh, you certainly do with this, as I said. And I, could, I, I just sort of love the way you suddenly puncture someone, the expectation, or, or you know, there's so many different things that you do, but it, it, it's, it's terrific. Um, can I, we just talk for a moment about your sons? You say two of them are yeah. autistic. So I say in episode three, two of them are diagnosed autistic and two of them have the surname Blaker, which amounts to the same thing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, there, there's some... There's so I, I kind of... I've merged them all together, partly because I didn't want to kind of uh, focus, like... Victimise, quite a right word, but, like, talk too much about two people in particular. But... I mean, God, you know, I talk also, though, at length about the other two in the episode because I just think that sometimes some things get undiagnosed. You reach a point where you go, God, I can't go to another meeting. A lot, episode three talks a lot about meetings mm. because our life is just meetings. And mm. as I said, with sorrow alone, you've just got constant hospital appointments. You know, you know you've got a lot going on when Great Ormond Street give you your own parking space. <laughs> but also, my, my brother's got one daughter who's just a, a very regular mainstream child and i don't think they ever have contact with their school i mean they probably have like <laughs> parents evening once a term mm. or what have you but that's it but we you know when you have children with different needs you've just got constant communication it's endless it's you know planning meetings review meetings assessment meetings pre-planning meetings uh, uh um start a term meeting end of term meeting all these it's just endless meetings so i talk a lot about that about mm. all the kind of meetings that you have with our children and uh, and I think it's stuff that parents in similar situations, if not if, even if they only have one, not the same volume, will definitely recognise. Plus all the other things that like about eating issues, issues <laughs> and there's the fussiest eaters and mm. about, uh, 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 play dates and about all all the kind of. Friends. I mean, I, I talk about in, in episode three about how there, there's something strange about like I've noticed that autistically that autistic boys they sniff each other out, they find each other. And I say that, like, this is, you, you, actually, you don't need to be assessed. Like, if your child, is, if your son is friends with a Blaker, the <laughs> London Borough of Barnet will give them a teaching assistant without going to tribunal, because this is, like, the greatest test you can have. Obviously, it's great that our children are friends. You wouldn't want your children not to have friends. But, uh, you know, welcome to the world of the autistic play date. And uh, <laughs> so we talk about these kind of things. And um, yes, uh, it's look. You have to find, you have to, you have to laugh or you'd cry. So yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm glad that uh, you know to have the opportunity. Hopefully, to people will recognise and, and kind of empathise. Well, I am absolutely positive that they will. There's something gorgeous that you say about Sora, which is that she seems to have found on the television or wherever she's. Pepper Pig in Gujarati or whatever it was. I think. It was yeah, it's weird. she does. Yeah, so she watches. So she has an iPad and she uses like YouTube Kids and stuff. 
and this is true because a lot of the time she watches stuff dubbed into different languages <laughs> it's so weird i don't know why what it is that she's enjoying about it but so much of the time i watch her see her watching foreign language things mm. Well, she may surprise you yet and turn into an absolutely amazing yes, linguist. Know, you know, she'll start. Yeah. She'll, be, she'll turn out yeah. to be an interpreter for people wanting to adopt yeah. or something like that. It's possible. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, we ought to talk about the dreaded um, C and L words, which is COVID. You, the last episode is called Lockdown. It is I, about, yeah. I want, and you, you, parenting. I can see why that might be a golden period for the family. It's a, in many ways, it has been for ours, actually. Um, yeah, no, well, so it starts with talking about the horror of homeschool. And, and, I mean, homeschool was difficult because, so my wife's a teacher, but that meant she was teaching her classes. She mm-hmm. wasn't available to help me that much. I'm not a natural teacher. I'm really not. And then once you then add to that the fact that, like, the range of that kids, I'm because there's a bit of a range here. So I'm like, I'm running a primary school, a secondary school, a sixth form mm. college, a special school. <laughs> It's like, you know, there's no education in the country like mm. doing that range of... It'd be like it'd be like being a open university lecturer and a presenter on play school at once. <laughs> you know, there's not... You're not going to do both of those. You have to kind of pick where you're going. But then also, add on top of that, obviously, the internet issues, like mm. the number of devices, do we have enough devices, the noise of it. The children were not meant to be in their bedrooms. They, they were told, like, for child protection issues, they have to for reasons of child protection, they're meant to be not in their bedrooms, but they're all downstairs, there's noise. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it was chaotic. Mm-hmm. But uh, but I, I think the conclusion I come to about uh, the fact that I felt in some ways it was a golden period, you know, it got me out of stuff, you know, <laughs> uh, day trips, family trips, uh, uh, birthday parties, every weekend's a bloody birthday party. Um, and... and but actually, we were able to spend time together and discover, yeah, each other in a different way, and 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 find some new insights into the children. Um, and that's the kind of conclusions I wanted to kind of wrap the series up in some way. I won't spoil it, but um, yes, yeah, about finding finding out about each other. It was an odd period of our lives, but uh, a, a major period. And it would be interesting, you know, to hear what the children think about it in twenty years' time. I assume they'll remember it, and and, and uh, yeah, how, how they how they consider it as a I, time in their lives as a family. I w- I've been saying to our granddaughter, who's eight, um, she's going to bore her grandchildren. Sadly, I won't be there to see it by saying, "Ah, I have to tell you yeah. about the time when we exactly. had the pandemic, etc., etc." Oh no, please, Nana, no, exactly, don't. Exactly. Enough exactly. already, Nana. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, I mean, people compare it to the war in that way, but, I mean, the war was yeah. so much longer. Yeah. And, I mean, this was still, you know, even like the best part of a year, but, or a bit older, I suppose, but in terms of the homeschooling part. But, yes, yeah, so that's why I wonder, like, is it going to be like that, that, mm. that you would be, that it'd be like the war and people will just go, you know, like Uncle Albert, during the pandemic. Um, <laughs> yes, that's what I'm or, thinking. <laughs> or will it just be forgotten about and, like, for us adults, who kind of went through the pain of it, like, We'll we'll be moaning about it the rest of our lives, but <laughs> the children just move on because they shouldn't. They just move on mm. very quickly. I don't know. Only time will tell. Well, you're absolutely right. Only time will tell. Quite a lot of things. Probably had t- enough of yours. Is there anything else that you would like to just you know to say that you think I've left out? Uh, God, I don't know. Um, yes, yeah, so we talked about all the 
episode one. Yeah, and then episode one, I mean, episode one talks about um, why we have so many children and, and then what it's like parenting a lot of children. I saw, I think inspired by, I saw a Michael McIntyre routine. I talk about this a lot in, in the first episode. So Michael McIntyre does this, did this very famous routine about what he said. He starts by saying, like, those of you that don't have children don't know how lucky you are and, and you can leave the house just whenever you want. But with my two boys to leave the house. I, and I was watching this thinking, God, you've only got two boys. Like, this is nothing. <laughs> and, and I, you know, so I kind of want to explain, like, the, the trouble is, is the world is set up to have two children, really. The most mm. things are like, you know, it's like a, you win a family, you win a holiday for a family of four, or you, you know, a meal deal is for a family of four. Everything, everything really is set up to have two mm. children. You're meant to have two children. Uh, and so when you have six children, God, I mean, most cars don't even, there's very few eight-seaters. They, they're mostly imported from Japan. Mm. The, the uh, Most cars, are, they only make uh, up to seven-seaters nowadays. So um, that's why you see all these Orthodox Jewish families driving Toyota Previas mm. because they're like one of the old cars that these old Previas that could um, fit eight people in. So that's what episode one is about. Uh, and also deals with, and I won't spoil it, but deals with a lot of people who ask the question, well, why is the show called 6.5 Children? Uh, that's what and, I wanted we, to know. <laughs> we, we, um, yeah, so we, we, we deal with that right. We, yes, we'll deal with that right at the start of the first episode. So, uh, yeah. No, don't give that one away then. I, that, funnily enough, I was going to ask you that, and I hadn't yet. I was just going to, but I'm happy to wait because that will be wonderful. I, actually, I can barely, I can hardly wait because having heard episode yeah, two, great, great. Yeah. Anyway, I, I can only rec I can only recommend it. And I don't I don't know where you go from here. What the next thing will what your next big thing is, but. Uh, uh, no, well, I, I you know I hope we'll do more of this. I mean, I hope I've definitely got another series worth of uh, things to talk about. Uh, more. And, uh, <laughs> Uh, of, of the, you know, and I, yeah, I think I, I hope people enjoy it. It's been a real, it's been a real, um, uh, you know, I loved writing them, I loved making them. Uh, I'm really proud of them. It's definitely, you know, if I can speak sincerely for a minute, I, I, I would say it's the, I, I, I'm one of those people, I always think the, the, the last thing I did, I'm one of those people who goes, I, I love what I'm doing, and then I'll look back, and then I'll do the next thing, and I'll think the thing before that was rubbish. <laughs> and, uh, but this is great. Mm. But, I really do think this is just the best thing I've done because I think it's it's um, yeah I'm just I'm just really proud of it. But I think there's so much truth in it, which I think is great when it's things that are kind of really truthful and revealing, but uh, you know, but funny, but have got kind of heart to it that I think people relate to, and um, you know, and it comes it came naturally. That's what's great. You know, you know when like when you have to force something, that's when you you struggle a bit as a writer, but I, it came very quickly and naturally, actually. I wrote these episodes very quickly. Um, you, know, you know how um, now, during well, something wonderful that's happened on radio during lockdown and the pandemic, is that we've started to um, acknowledge studio engineers, etc. So I just thought we probably should just mention Steve Doherty, your producer, because he seems to have done a stunning job on it with you. Oh, I heard about that thing about that. Yes, we haven't mentioned studio engineers in this. No, that's a new thing. Yes, I, I read somewhere about this. Someone mentioned you're 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 obviously more familiar to me, but I read someone said something about like because you're right on on radio, you tend to only ever credit producers. They just go and it was produced by uh, and, and not studio engineers. But uh, actually, to be honest with you, Steve, there, there isn't really anyone bastard. Steve is really he he's done the the, the bulk of the work. And he's great. He's a great guy. He, he did my other shows. Actually, Blake has got Judaism. 
But he's this. This was, I mean, I, I, he worked so hard on the show to piece it together because the way it was made, it was a bit like a single camera TV show where you film lots of all the bits. Basically, everything was made completely out of sequence. So, for example, obviously he came to our house, Steve. So it was all recorded in the the, the bits with me, mostly recorded in a studio. But the bits with the children were recorded here, mm. and he came, and you know the children were available, made themselves available, and we got for it to yeah many hours. But they're in all four episodes, and then there's mm. you know and we did right. These are the bits with uh, that we just need Amy on his own, so we did all those, and then finding them, and then but then in the studio we had um, say Kieran Hodgson came in and did his lines, and then Rosie did her line, and so they're all out of sequence. You have to find it all. And it really has been. He said the most. He said it was. He said to me it was the hardest edit he'd ever, the hardest thing he'd ever done. But I mean, he he he's he's also very proud of it, and so uh, hopefully feels it's uh, been worthwhile. But I know in terms of making it, uh, I didn't envy that. Fact. I think that was a, a real jigsaw puzzle. Yeah, but I'm you know having worked in radio myself, um, I can hear that. That's why I said I thought we should mention him because I think you know yes, you collaborated no, wonderfully the pair of you. Um, we could finish with God. There's a moment where you talk about this is how I started to believe about that God might exist or something. Yes, yeah. yes. Mm. Should we let? Should we let God yes, have the last there's, moment? There's, yeah, so, so, yeah, So I said about well, the, well, yes. It's it's totally again totally true. It's really, it's it's well a good. It's all a good asking the question. What on earth possessed you to want to adopt the child? A better question is what on earth possessed Norwood and, and Hackney to allow her to come to us? Because there, there is kind of, it, it really doesn't make any sense, really, apart from the fact that they were desperate and couldn't find him. And I say in the show, yeah, if, if I had any kind of doubt about the existence of God, this is like the final proof you need. Because, you know, if God wants it to happen, then it happens. Because there's no logical explanation. There's no logical explanation as to why they, they would have allowed this to happen. But they did, and uh, there you go. So, yeah. Well, that's a lovely place to end. I just want to thank you, Ashley, for the insights, for the programme. Totally for the programme as well, and programmes, which I'm so looking forward to hearing the rest of. And I tell everybody that you're 11.30 on a Friday from the 9th, I think, of July. From the 9th, but then, mm. and then, and then they're on BBC. So the great thing is, is they're now on BBC Sounds. They're actually going to be on BBC Sounds forever. So, yep. um, Good. <laughs> like if you're busy cooking your Shabbos meal or having on a Friday morning, it, that's fine. You might want to binge listen to them in one go, even. So, whatever, yeah. they're there. They're yeah. there for you to listen to. Good for listening to in the car, especially. Wonderful. I can yeah. highly recommend. Anyways, I just, as I say, say again, thank you, Ashley Blaker, for the time and Pleasure. the insights and the lovely thank programs. You thank you.